Well, good morning. It is so exciting to be here with you and to be sharing with you this morning. Um, I know most of you are probably wondering right now, who is this scrawny, bearded man that is talking to me? And most of you right now are assuming that I'm the youth intern, but I promise I'm not. We have one, and he's awesome, but that's not me. Uh, my name is Nate Sullivan. I'm the communications director here at McDowell, and it is awesome to be with you this morning. And I just consider it a privilege to be part of this series, the God Still Speaks series, just as we share uh, the different ways that God is still speaking, that we follow a God who is not silent, a God who is not quiet, a God who engages us in conversation and hears us and responds. Uh, and so I am so excited to be here with you this morning. And it is the 4th of July weekend, as many of you know. And if you didn't, it's the 4th of July weekend. Um, but as I was kind of thinking and reminiscing through my own family and, and the 4th of July and kind of what stories rose to the surface for this weekend, uh, these stories that my grandfather used to tell came to mind. And he would tell these stories about him and his older brother, George. And George was about three or four years older than him, and I think we have a photo of them. Uh, this is my grandpa on the left, Al, and his brother, George, right there on the right. And this is in the 1930s, and they're standing here outside a one-room schoolhouse in western Pennsylvania. And that's where I grew up, that's where my parents grew up, and that's where my grandparents grew up. But my grandpa would tell these stories about him and his older brother doing all these things about going fishing together and working on the farm together and riding bikes together. He even told the story about this time that they built a boat together and sailed it down a river. And I was like, that's in my genetics, that's awesome. So, um, But fast forward several years and George is a 17-year-old boy on the edge of manhood and our nation found itself in the middle of World War II. And George, as a 17-year-old boy, decided that he was gonna go serve and that he was going to defend our country's freedom. So as a 17-year-old boy at the time, if you had the permission of your parents, you could go and serve and enlist. And so George enlisted in the Navy, and he went through training period, and after that training period, uh, and there he is, um, in his naval uniform, and after that training period, our whole family went down to the train station, and his, and his immediate family and the extended family went down to wave goodbye, right, as he's going off in the name of freedom and as his parents say goodbye to their child in the name of freedom. But what his parents did not know at the time is that that would be the last time that they ever said goodbye to their son. Because George, man, right off the bat, here we go. George was actually killed as part of a top secret mission in World War II. And his parents never knew that that would be the final time they said goodbye to their son. Right, and what a price to pay for freedom. You know, what a price to pay to say goodbye to your child in the name of freedom. And the reality is this morning that we are hardwired to be free. Like, that is deep within us. And when we are not free, we know it, right? When we are in captivity, it erodes at us, and it slowly deteriorates us. And people give up everything for freedom. People fight wars for freedom. People live for freedom, and people die for freedom. People are willing to do whatever it takes for freedom. And the freedom we're talking about this morning um, is so much deeper than other freedoms that we talk about because this weekend we step back and we say national and political freedom are very good things. And, this, and the 4th of July Independence Day was set aside to recognize the worth of, of the liberty of the country that we, that we live in, right? And the sacrifices that people have made to preserve that freedom. And we look at that and we say, that is a great thing. But the freedom that we're talking about this morning and the freedom that Christ offers us and the freedom we just sang about is so much deeper than that. The freedom that Christ offers us cannot be given to you by another human being and it cannot be taken away by another human being. The freedom that Christ offers us speaks to our yesterdays and our todays and our tomorrows and our eternities. 
And this freedom can be yours whether you are sitting alone in a dark prison cell by yourself or you are standing in line on a sunny Monday morning at Starbucks waiting for your grande quad mocha extra hot, right? And I know there are some of you and you know who you are. Um, But this freedom is an eternal freedom and it's an absolute freedom and it's all-encompassing freedom. And that freedom can look like freedom from a lot of different things. And maybe as I say that, something comes to mind. But we are all asking the question, what will set me free? Am I right? And so this morning I want us to turn to God's word because the reality is that God does speak to our freedom and God is concerned with our freedom. And so I want us to turn to scripture and see what God has to say about that because he is not silent and he has a lot to say. So would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the freedom that you give so freely. We thank, that, we thank you that you invite us to approach you and to receive it. And we thank you that you approach us and extend it. Father, we ask your presence here this morning. We ask that you speak and that your truth be made known. God, that your spirit be evident in this place and with these people and in these lives. We ask all that in your name. Amen. So freedom. Let's define it because chances are that every one of you walked in here this morning with a different definition of freedom in one way or another. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit different. But just to get on the same page, let's define freedom this morning. In the original language of some of the passages we'll be looking at today, freedom carries this idea of being delivered out of obligation to an external force, right? Of being at liberty, of having the ability to come and go as one pleases, and of not being under restraint. And we all want that. Like, that sounds so good. And even as we describe that, we think, that seems really impossible sometimes, right? But when we talk about freedom... We have to acknowledge that that is only part of the conversation because freedom is only part of our reality here on earth. Because when we talk about freedom, we also have to talk about bondage and captivity because every one of us lives in this tension between brokenness and bondage of living here on earth and the wholeness and freedom that is hardwired within us. And that bondage can have a lot of different faces and it can wear a lot of different masks and it can look like anger or pride or jealousy And it can find us in places of our identity or our sexuality or our work or striving to attain something that's always just out of reach. But whatever that bondage looks like for you this morning, bondage always says this. It says, this is who you are and this is where you're going to stay. And you are under that restraint and you cannot move forward from that. And so whatever bondage looks like, that is the message of bondage. But we are not the only ones that live in this tension between captivity and freedom. Every human being who has walked in the face of this earth has lived in that tension and sought that freedom. And the reality is this morning that God desires that we be free. Galatians 4.13 says that you, brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You were called to it. This is what you were for, right? This is within you. And God desires that, that that freedom be not diminished or shut down or cut short in any way, on any level, to any extent, And so if you'll open your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 3, if you have a Bible with you this morning, um, the verses will also be up on the screen. But a few stories depict the journey to freedom better than that of the nation of God, right? In the book of Exodus, we have God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, and they're living in captivity in the land of Egypt. And I want you to picture Egypt with me for a second, but I don't want you to picture like the Prince of Egypt, like Disney movie Egypt with the palm trees and the lemonade and the pyramids. I don't want you to picture that Egypt. I want to picture Egypt through the eyes of a captive. And I want you to picture Egypt 
in terms of this dark, oppressive pagan culture in which the abuse of humans and the forced servitude of men and women were a daily reality, and the extermination of infants was a daily reality. That is the kind of captivity that the nation of Israel and God's people were living in. And scholars believe that this happened around 1450 BC, so 1450 years before the birth of Jesus. But in this we have Moses, who you've probably heard that name before. He's a man of God. He's identified in scripture as being a man of faith. And Moses is out in the countryside, and the story goes such that Moses climbs this mountain. And at the top of that mountain, he comes upon this bush consumed by fire. And as he stands there and he watches it, he recognizes that the bush is not being burnt up. And in that moment, he senses the Spirit of God, and God says to him, Moses, Moses. And he responds, and they begin this conversation. And in that conversation, God says this to Moses. He says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. So God sees this. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them out of the land of the Egyptians. So the God of everything says, I am coming down to rescue them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land and into a good and spacious land. And so Moses returns to Egypt and through the series of petitions to Pharaoh and these miraculous plagues sent by God, finally Moses just brought to his knees says, just go. Just get out of Egypt. You are no longer slaves here, but just be gone. Right? And thus we have the exodus. Thus we have this holy deliverance of God's people out of their captivity. But God is not just speaking to Moses here. God is speaking to his people. And as God's people here this morning, there's a message in these words for us. And so we see this reality, this twofold truth that illuminates God's heart for our freedom in this passage. And the first half of that truth is this that God wants to bring us out of bondage. And as I say that, you're probably like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. But God wants to bring his people out of slavery and making the impossible possible and providing a route unto freedom and life and abundance. And maybe some of you relate to that this morning. Maybe some of you need God to meet you where you are and you need him to rescue you and deliver you out of what feels like Egypt. And know that in that place, God sees you and God hears you and he is concerned about you. And he will meet you there and he will walk with you out of that to freedom. Know that this morning. And for Israel, being rescued from that bondage was the first step on this journey to freedom. But even after that, there was this process and God's people still carried some bondage and some captivity within them. And they said things to Moses like, did you bring us out here to die? Right, so God's people delivered out of slavery in the desert, you'd think they, they would just be rejoicing, but they still carried within them this spirit of captivity. And they said to Moses, did you just bring us out here to die? At least we had food to eat in Egypt. Let's go back, which sounds crazy, but let's go back, let's go back, let's go back. And that brings us to the second half of that twofold truth. And that is that while God wants to bring, the bond, bring us out of bondage, he also wants to bring the bondage out of us. You see, being rescued from Egypt, God's people still carried within them the spirit of captivity. And later, in the book of Deuteronomy, still in conversation with Israel, God says, Do not forget the Lord your God, who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness. He's saying, don't forget this. You have been freed. You have been liberated. Your oppressor has been silenced. 
I have met you where you were and I have brought you out. Don't forget that. And continue turning back to that truth as I bring the bondage out of you. And maybe some of you this morning, that is what speaks to you. And you say, yeah, I've been brought out of bondage and God's met me, but I still feel like there's this part of me that's still in captivity. And we come to church and we know what God wants for us and we, and we hear the word. We have this other place, maybe this safe place that feels like it's comfortable or it's what we resort to when we don't know what else to do. And instead of turning to Jesus, we go back to that place again and again and again. Seventy-three-year-old Walter Unbahan had committed fe multiple felonies over decades of his life, right? And he spent most of his adult life in prison. And he was released. He was given the status of a free man. And he was living just a, just a regular free man in the world. But one day, Walter decided to walk into a bank with a loaded gun and to point it at the teller and to say, this is a holdup and I have nothing to lose. And as he, he walked out of that bank with $4,178, which is not very much, but he walked out of that bank and the authorities tracked him down the next day. And they said as he was being taken into custody that he had a look of joy come over his face. And the first thing he said to police was, I just want to go home. And he requested after being taken into custody that he could spend the rest of his days in prison. And I want you to know that that is not what God wants for you this morning. And, and how often we get used to behaviors and ways of thinking and identities that, that we've accepted just because they've become normal. And we've just gone to that place so many times that we just say, let's go back. Let's go back. Right? You see, Walter had been freed, but he still carried captivity within him. And he allowed it to determine his future and it is currently determining the rest of his life. God wants to bring us out of bondage, but he also wants to bring the bondage out of us. He's calling us out of the old and he's calling us into the new. He's calling us out of darkness and into the light. So how are we gonna find it, right? Because if we want this freedom and this freedom is hardwired within us and, and God wants this freedom for us, where do we go? Like what's that next step to be like, okay, yeah, I want the freedom, and now, what do I do? Right? That becomes the question. And in John 8.32, it says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the truth is what brings us freedom. The truth seems to be the vehicle through which God brings us into freedom. But then the question becomes, well, what's that truth? Right? What is that truth that sets me free? The word truth is mentioned over 20 times in the Gospel of John. And every time it's mentioned, it's connected to a specific person. Can you guess who that person is? It's Jesus. Because the question is not, what is that truth? The question is, who is that truth? And Jesus is the truth personified. And Jesus comes and brings us freedom as a person. And he leads us into freedom. And in the end, he is the only one that can do that. He is the only truth that sets us free. In identifying his own mission, Jesus said this in Luke 4.18. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. 
and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Notice that he doesn't say they might be set free. He says they will be set free. He says the captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free. You see, freedom is why Jesus came, and freedom is why he died. And he says, in our captivity, meeting us there, he says, I've seen your misery, and I have brought rescue, but you have to receive it. And to put it simply this morning, to know and receive the truth that is Jesus is to be free. To know and receive that truth, to know and receive Jesus, to know Jesus is to be free. And this freedom speaks to every dimension of our humanity. And there is not a part of it that is withheld because Jesus meets us in that captivity and he says, I'm bringing you out of that. The captives will be set free. You are no longer a slave to that addiction. You are no longer a slave to that mistake. You are no longer a slave to that divorce. You are no longer a slave to that failure. You are no longer a slave to that choice that you made or that somebody made for you. And Jesus meets us in our captivity and speaks this truth that I believe many of you need to hear this morning, and that is this. And just listen to these words, that you are not what you have done, and you are not what has been done to you. You are known and loved by God, period. I'm going to say that one more time. You are, you are not what you have done. You are not under the restraint and the captivity of what you have done. You don't have to be. You are not under the restraint and captivity of what has been done to you. You do not have to be because you are known and loved by God. So the next time that you come face to face with bondage around you or within you, I want to just give you three simple things to do to turn hearts and minds back towards God and to follow him into that freedom. And the first is just to remember that truth. Remember this truth. And it's simple, but call that to mind and find hope in that. Because you don't have to be a victim to the past. You are more than your mistakes. You are more than the mistakes that other people have made to you. And you are known and loved by God. So first, just call that truth to mind. Second, ask him to meet you where you are. Wherever that is, whatever that looks like, whatever Egypt you are in or whatever desert you are in, ask him to meet you in that place because your mess does not scare Jesus and he will meet you there. And the third is to be faithful in the journey. Because while Jesus brings freedom and he frees us from captivity, most of us would like to think that that happens in a moment. Most of us would love if that process was an overnight thing. And sometimes it is. And sometimes God does work that way. But oftentimes, he doesn't. And so following him into freedom and being faithful in that journey demands our faithfulness. But as you seek to be faithful in that journey, know that God has promised his faithfulness to you. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And that applies to this. So remember that truth. Ask Jesus to meet you wherever you are and then just be faithful in the journey to freedom. I grew up in a Christian home and most of my young life, I felt like bondage was never really part of the equation. I always felt like God was pretty close and I felt like if I really needed to find him, I could just kind of turn and he would be there. Um, I didn't really feel like I carried many chains and I didn't feel like the truth was that hard to understand. Fast forward several years into my college experience and there came a week at the culmination of 
some decisions I had made and some circumstances that I was put in and some stress and some tension and just this culmination of life, right? And I remember being in that week and just having this, this dark heaviness come over me. And I thought, I can, get through, I can get through this week, right? Because you get to that point, you think, I can do this for a few days. I got this, right? But that week turned into two weeks and two weeks turned into a month and a month turned into six months and six months turned into a year. And it got to the point where, where the heaviness and the darkness and the depression that I was carrying around was, was too much. And it just, it crushed me because I could not sleep at night and I could not wake up in the morning. And that hope that I had been so, so ready to find growing up seemed so far away. And it just felt like every day I was living in captivity and that was my daily reality. Right, and that's what I woke up thinking about and that's what I went to bed thinking about and I didn't want to sleep, and I didn't want to eat, and it just consumed every part of my life. And I remember one night in the spring, it was about 3.30 a.m., and I, I couldn't sleep. And so I got up and left my dorm room, and, and I walked around campus, and then I, I walked off campus. And this is in the middle of Indiana, so just picture, like, lots of green and cornfields, which might be hard for some of you because you live in Arizona. But... Um, I, I walked off campus and I walked down this kind of backcountry road to the cross-country course, which was just this big open field out in the middle of nowhere, really, with this large tree in the middle of it. And I remember taking that, taking that walk and just kind of dragging myself to the base of that tree. And I remember just collapsing under that tree and just falling apart. Right? Because that bondage that I was carrying and that bondage that was carrying me was so heavy. And I remember in that moment, I just laid there for about an hour. And I just said, God, if you are here and if you are in this and if you see this, you need to respond because I can't keep going like this. And I don't even know right now if I want to see tomorrow. So I need you to meet me here. Right? And I prayed that again and again and again. And I just told God, this is where I am. And I don't know where you are, but this is where I am. And the sky didn't open up, and God didn't come down, and the angels didn't appear to me. But in that moment, on that ground, under that tree, I had this, this presence. And it just spoke these words that said, you are mine, you are mine, you are mine. And I wish I could tell you from that point forward that I woke up the next day and everything was awesome and that I went on with my life and flourished and graduated and that wasn't what happened. <laughs> because that was the first step in a journey to freedom, but it was not the whole journey. You see, God met me there in a quiet, still way. And he gave me his presence in that moment, but he said, you have to be faithful to this journey and I have committed to you that I will be. So through the following months and through the following years and to this day, God has used friends and pastors and mentors and counseling and, and continually going back to scripture and continuing to turn to God in prayer and saying, I need to be reminded of that truth because I realize that there's an Egypt within me and I want to go back sometimes. Jesus said, I have come to proclaim freedom. And I know there's a lot of hurt tied up in this for some of you. And some of you have found that freedom and you are walking in that journey of faithfulness. And thank God for that this morning. Praise God. 
But if you find yourself in heaviness and you find yourself in bondage, I want you to know this truth this morning. And that is that the truth of Jesus brings freedom. Without exception, freely and abundantly to every situation. And you say, yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done and you don't know what's been done to me. You're right. But you are not what you have done and you are not what has been done to you. You are known and loved by God. God has come to turn captives into sons and daughters. And I wonder this morning what that captivity looks like in your life. I wonder this morning as I talk about this what comes to your mind. And I wonder whether it's subtle or evident what chains you've gotten used to wearing. And maybe you've been wearing them for a short time and you say, yeah, it's time to let that go. Or maybe they've been wearing you for years and you just say, I don't even know how to get out from under this. Ask God to meet you in that place. Ask God to find you in that Egypt and to be with you there, even if it feels impossible. And even if you've never known anything else, ask him to meet you there. Imagine what freedom would feel like. Just imagine what freedom would feel like. And if you'll close your eyes with me, I just gonna wanna give you a chance to respond with eyes closed. I just wanna give you a chance to take that first step towards freedom. And I just wanna give you a chance to make a move because we can talk about this and we can think about this. But the truth is that if we never take that first step, if we never turn ourselves to God, we'll stay right where we are. And he says, I'm bringing freedom to you, but you have to receive it. So I just want to give you a chance in this moment to just ask him to meet you there. And he has promised that he will. So ask him to meet you and see what he does. Father, we thank you that you give freedom out without exception. God, that you delight in meeting your people in their captivity and walking with them out of it. And God, I pray for the people in this room this morning and the captivities that they have dragged in here with them this morning. God, I pray that freedom and your spirit would be thick in this place, that it would be right in front of them and that you would let them know that they are called to freedom and they do not have to dwell in that place of captivity any longer. God, we ask that you meet us here. We ask that you lead us to that freedom. We ask that you speak that truth. And we ask that you help us as we try our best to be faithful in the journey. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. We ask all this in your name. Amen. And so this morning, we just want to invite you to continue in that response. There are crosses down here at the front with cards, and you can write a prayer, and you can say, God, this is where I'm at. And I don't know where you are, but this is where I'm at. And you can just invite him to meet you in that place. Or maybe you found that freedom, and you just want to thank him and celebrate that. You can come down, and you can pin those to the cross. In the back, there are candles. And in Scripture, light and fire represent God's spirit and God's presence. And if this morning, in your bondage, or with the bondage that's in you, you need God's presence today and you need him to meet you there and you need him to speak, 
you just light a candle and with that just say, God, I need your presence. And he hears you and he is concerned. And also this morning we're going to be partaking of communion. And Jesus said at the Last Supper, this is my body broken for you as he broke the bread. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And he poured the wine. And it was in the name of freedom. Because freedom is why he came and freedom is why he died. And so this morning as we, as we share in communion together, we believe that everyone who is a follower of Jesus is welcome to partake. And as we do, we celebrate that freedom that he offers us. Would you come?